Hello, you're listening to Go Check Yourself. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Chuck versus the tooth. You don't have to have a secret chip hidden in your tooth to get some information because I have some intel for you right here. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us uh, via email at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, that is at gochuckpodcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a new episode. And uh, other than that, I think we are ready to start the show. Here we go. Subject is Aaron Arada uh, purports to be hosting a podcast every week with someone named Chris, who she says that even though she doesn't like see him ever, they record remotely. Uh, so uh, this podcast about this television show, Chuck, that she claims exists. So uh, we're going to take it back to this is my session with uh, the, the patient in question. This concludes the the session tape of the patient. Uh, she was deemed clinically insane and uh, is going to be seeking further help about her alleged podcast that she hosts with her alleged friend about a television show that is not. I checked the, the TV listings. There's no show called Chuck on the air right now. Seems kind of weird that they'd be doing this kind of podcast. And she was saying that people listen to the podcast and enjoy it. Uh, it seemed very sad so uh, i feel very bad for this patient but this concludes the session tape of this particular patient that was really upsetting that's like i think we talked about this when we first became friends that like that is a fear that i have that like i everything is a lie everything is fake and everybody's just like humoring me well then you probably enjoyed this episode of chuck which was uh season three episode 16 chuck versus the tooth when Chuck finds himself in a little bit of a pickle, very similar to that. Yeah. He, he thinks he's he's the only one that's sane, but as it turns out, uh, everyone thinks he's crazy, and he has a hard time processing that. My name is Chris Gillespie, and no, I am not a doctor. I am just one of the two hosts of this podcast, which may or may not exist. What is, what is it called, Chris? 
Have we have we established that? I don't know. Have I not said go chuck yourself yet? It's well, it's hard to tell if you said it in reality or in your uh, patient log or what. But uh, it is go chuck yourself. I am Aaron Arana, and I am uh, I am insane. Like that is there's no question about that. But uh, I don't know if I'm as insane as Chris was uh, implying. You seem to be doing uh, significantly better than last week. Uh, if listeners recall to the last week's episode, it ended with Aaron being fed to a uh, bunch of alligators and oh, being yeah, torn yeah. apart. But you seem well, like see, you are you're okay now. Yeah, I am okay. Um, thanks to the uh, UCLA neuro- neuro- neurology fellows, um, they they put my brain that my brain survived actually, and they put my brain into. Um, I guess they used my material to make a clone of my old self. And then they put my brain that had survived into that clone. And now I'm just, I'm Aaron 2.0. Right. Yeah. Once again, totally normal podcast, not hosted by anyone <laughs> who's uh, clinically insane. Yep. Uh, fun, fun tidbit. Maybe if someone would appreciate this if they're listening, but Aaron and I, not at the same time, but at some point shared a therapist. The psychologist. Yeah, have we talked about will. that before? I don't think we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. I, I had her first, I will say. And then, um, I moved away and Chris took my place. I got those, those sloppy seconds, if you will. (laughs) Please don't call Kelly sloppy. No, I won't. That's horrible. You're just like Jeff in this episode with Anna. That's disgusting, Chris. (laughs) Kelly Uh, is a professional. She is. And I feel bad that she had to talk to not one, but both of us. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I um I don't know if I ever talked to her directly about our podcast, but I assume that you did at, at some point because we were more in the throes of it when you were seeing her. Right. I may yeah. have alluded to it at some point. Yeah. I can't imagine anything that she would probably want to do less than listen to this particular podcast. <laughs> Two patients. She can just see like how much our lives have like regressed since we both stopped seeing her. She can just yeah, be like, wow, I uh wow. They are not doing that well. Sounds about right. Saw you that hope coming. That your patients would um kind of like after you stop seeing them, you hope they would do better in their lives. But actually, they're, they're both doing worse. And all of this is to say is that uh, therapy plays a role in this episode of Chuck, which is if we did not make that clear earlier, that is why we're going <laughs> with this particular yes. angle. Um, it is a wacky episode. So this episode starts with a really sick burn, I'll say. Chuck and Sarah are watching TV, and Sarah comments that there is officially nothing on, to which Chuck replies, yeah, Monday nights can be a bit of a wasteland. Now, um, Chris was right to observe that Chuck is not airing right now, but you uh, who watched it when it was airing may know that it, for a time, aired on Monday nights. So this was a kind of a, a self-burn. They burned themselves, but it was uh, it was funny. I thought it was great. I appreciate it. It was a meta, a lot of meta references to Chuck in the show in this opening scene. Yes. Chuck and Sarah share some banter about some spy movie that's on. I guess it's Spies Like Us. I haven't seen that. Um, But something that I thought was really weird is that Chevy Chase is in it and they reference Chevy Chase. So like, what about Ted Rourke? Like, do they know that in this universe, does like Ted Rourke just look like Chevy Chase? Like, does Chevy Chase also exist? Like, that's it's too many levels. I think that's what drove Chuck insane. Well, I think that I was thinking about that this episode, too, because Christopher Lloyd is introduced shortly yeah. uh, and Back to the Future obviously exists in the Chuck yes. universe because yeah. of Chuck versus the DeLorean. So I was yeah. like, how do we and then there's the Chevy Chase thing. So I'm going to go with that. These people just happen to look like the actors. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I'm going with to keep my sanity. <laughs> 
So I repeat what we said a couple weeks ago in this scene. Um, Zach and Yvonne have really great chemistry together. The dialogue aside, I really felt like I was just watching a couple sitting on the couch together at the end of a day. Chuck tells Sarah he loves her, and I couldn't figure out the music cue going on, but I eventually realized that the problem is that she doesn't say it back, and Chuck is kind of like, ah. Uh, I don't, I wasn't really aware that this is a problem, because, like, is the thing that she didn't say, I love you, she just said, like, he asked, do you love me, and she said yes? Because I was pretty sure they established that she loves him. Right, that's what I had thought, too, but maybe yeah. it was just a matter of she had just said yes, and she had never actually said it. Yeah, I don't know. It was the impression uh, that they had, but... Yeah, Chuck's upset about it. The music changes again and gets sort of sinister. Sarah tells Chuck that she loves him, and he says it's great to hear that, but then the scene turns into a nightmare. Chuck hears some stuff that they saw on the TV about Beethoven and Zamibia, etc., etc., and then the doorbell rings, and it's Shaw. Chuck shoots Shaw a bunch of times, and Shaw falls into the fountain, prompting me to wonder, did they pay brandon ralph to like come back for like this like these like couple dream sequences like that's that's pretty wild seems pretty wild anyway chuck wakes up gasping and sarah points out that he's been having nightmares every time he falls asleep probably because neither of them have properly dealt with the trauma they went through in france nope just push it down just push it down it won't come back (laughs) bottle it in that's what i do Chuck says his nightmare was trying to tell him something, so he calls a meeting with Casey and Beckman to tell them the ring is planning to kill the Zamibian president at a Beethoven concert the next day. Once again, Beckman has her hair down, isn't in her pajamas, but she's not in bed this time. It seems like someone else was, though. She has a gentleman caller who we see stumbling by in the background. A comment proposed that this was her husband. Do you think it's her husband or like she has like a guest? (laughs) Like, a special friend kind of guest, or... Well, I don't know, like, have we established whether or not she's married? Is she wearing a ring? Like, because, I mean, I would assume this is her husband, and I'm not saying that she's, like, having an affair or anything, but, like, if she's not married, then it's kind of fun to think, like, oh, Beckman has just, like, a special friend over, you know? Yeah, I don't, I guess we can, We it's really totally up to viewer interpretation, because we have no evidence either way, right? Yep, yep. Well, get it, Beckman, is what I say. <laughs> Chuck tries to explain that his dream is based on a very real threat to Zamibia, and Beckman says she understands what's going on. Chuck is grateful until she tells him she's assigning him a CIA therapist. So first off, I'm going to say that I'm very happy Chuck is seeing a therapist. I think everyone, regardless of whether they've killed a former partner and a romantic rival recently, could benefit from therapy. Especially me and Chris. But second off, there are some problems for me with this. Chuck said in an earlier episode that a lot of therapy helped him deal with his mom and dad, leaving him alone with Ellie. But when the scene with the therapist begins, he's like, how does this work? I've never done this before. So that seems kind of like a plot hole. And I remember it bothering me the first time I saw this. Also, Chuck is like, I don't need therapy. Therapy is for people with real problems. And though that adds to the drama of the show, I feel like it kind of perpetuates a stigma against therapy. And I think Chuck is better than that. Chris, what do you think? In his defense, I basically had a similar experience where although we had I had seen uh, our mutual therapist before and then uh, the arrangement did not really work out for me based on changing factors in my life. So I had to find a new therapist. And it is it's very awkward when you're first meeting a new therapist for the first time because it's a interaction between two people that is not something that organically happens or that you really it's just like a muscle that you have to use. And it's especially weird when you're meeting a new stranger. So I felt like Chuck that first time because I. Well, I knew, no, they, have, but, they I mean, all have different techniques, you know? 
I think it's fine for Chuck to feel awkward about it, but I think it's weird for him to dismiss the concept of therapy and whether or not he needs it. Like, obviously he needs it. Mm -hmm. Come on. Also, uh, his therapist is Christopher Lloyd. I didn't I didn't mention that, but it is Christopher Lloyd. So Chuck and Christopher Lloyd. And I know that we mentioned uh, whether Christopher Lloyd looks like this doctor before, but I have decided that the therapist just is actually the actor. Christopher Lloyd has just been hired by the CIA in this role. Well, OK, then. Um, they have an awkward appointment where Chuck immediately brings up his father and Christopher Lloyd asks if Chuck wants to talk about his father. Chuck says he doesn't want to talk about anything, but he eventually but he eventually launches into his anxiety about Sarah not saying she loves him back. The actor Christopher Lloyd tells Chuck that he believes Chuck's dreams are the intersect, which he knows about interacting with Chuck's subconscious. But this doesn't mean he believes Chuck about the attack on the Zimbabwean president. The actor Christopher Lloyd is not really a great therapist. He's a good actor, maybe not a great therapist, probably because he's busy being a prominent actor in things like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Gremlins 2 The New Batch. This is because he tells Chuck that the side effects of the intersect could cause insanity, which Chuck seems to be showing signs of. I don't really think that therapists should be, like, telling their patient with clear signs of anxiety, like, these kinds of things, like, ooh, you're crazy. Like, I don't really think, like, a seasoned therapist would do that. But I guess who am I to question the actor Christopher Lloyd? Anyway, he tells Chuck that he's removed from field duty until further notice. After the credits, we find out that Ellie and Devin have in fact returned home. I guess sometime in the interim, their apartment was fixed after the tiger attacked it. Devin is resting on the couch after his fight with malaria, and Morgan stops by to see how he's doing. Devin has apparently recovered from his intense fear of Chuck's spy life, saying that if he can die just as easily from a mosquito in Africa, he might as well not be afraid of spy life in Burbank. Morgan agrees. Meanwhile, Ellie enters the courtyard with some prescriptions, and Casey stops her to say that he's had malaria four or five times in his life, and what Devin really needs are African snake herbs. I think this is actually delightful because we know Casey is telling the truth, but Ellie just knows Casey as her weird drunken neighbor, so she thinks he's an insane person. I thought this was pretty cute. Yes. Speaking of insane people, Chuck is splashing his face with water in the bathroom, telling himself not to freak out. Sarah comes in to check on him, saying she's his girlfriend and he can tell her anything. He says he knows that, but doesn't tell her anything. He just says the therapy he just says the therapy appointment was great and all he needs is a good night's rest. He heads to work at the Buy More, where the TVs are showing Rorschach tests, which I thought was a nice touch, and talks to Morgan about his dreams. Morgan is a little surprised that Chuck hasn't told Sarah about them, but Chuck explains he doesn't want to rock the boat since things are going so well between them. Instead, Chuck asks Morgan for help, so they plan to go off book and check out the symphony themselves. We're treated to another scene with Jeff and Lester, which I have no qualms in saying is particularly offensive, as they're making a plan to hit on all the women in the store, which is pretty bad in itself, but then they make a point to cast the disparity between, like, the hot woman that Lester is gonna hit on and the lumpy housewives, who they, like, actually show a woman. Like, they don't just say, like, ooh, the lumpy housewives. They show this poor woman who is just, like, like, is fine. She's just, like, a lit, like she's like middle aged and is like normal looking. Like I don't know, but she, apparently she's a lumpy housewife. The joke is that Jeff likes the lumpy housewives, but I I still found it kind of upsetting. As they're talking, someone enters the store in a short dress as Flo Rida's Right Round plays, and we come to learn that it is one Anna Wu returned from Hawaii and enjoying the show's favorite convention for a woman entering the Buy More, complete with fans and close ups and all that. Anna comes up to the counter and asks where Morgan is. And it turns out Morgan is in the storage cage with Chuck, another location we haven't seen in a while, so that was exciting. He's gotten them two tickets to the symphony and rented them two tuxes. Chuck heads out to get the car while Morgan changes, and I regret to say that I was actually kind of delighted by what comes next. 
Back at the nerd her desk, Jeff and Lester tell Anna that Morgan has become responsible. She comments that he can't have changed that much, but then right round starts up again, and Morgan walks out of the back room in a full tux. There's a fan on him, too, and it blows Skip Johnson's little blonde afro every which way, which I thought was lovely. Anna comes up to Morgan to say she's in town for a few days and wanted to clear the air between them, but Morgan is out the door to the symphony, so he asks her to call him later on. He leaves, and she's like, wow. I, like, we'll talk about this more later. I thought this scene was, like, really unnecessarily cruel to Anna, who, like, this show has not necessarily done right by anyway before. Um, but I was, like, a little bit happy for Morgan. Like, I thought it was kind of nice to see him, like, he looked good in his tux. And I, I really liked this, like, the juxtaposition of, like, now seeing, like, a man with the fan blowing and the, the music and the slow motion. Like, mm-hmm. I liked that, but, you know. Yeah, it was kind of like, hey, uh, we know that you haven't been on the show in a while, but you should come back on. We'd love to have you. And they have this character back and it's like, ah, we're going to treat you exactly the same. Yeah. Even though arguably worse. Morgan has changed and matured somewhat, but you will still be treated poorly. Yes. Yeah. So that was disappointing. More on that later, I guess. At the symphony, Morgan has scored them really good seats somehow, even though he just had a day's notice. I guess the symphony isn't that popular. Chuck outlines their mission to save President Cootie, but he's a little alarmed when Morgan notes that his codename for their mission will be Cobra. Meanwhile, Ellie is picking up a DVD box set of ER from the Bymore. She's caught off guard when everyone's friend Justin steps out of the aisles to talk to her. She's like, why aren't you in Africa? And he says he's there to talk to her and can they go somewhere private? No, Ellie, no! I think I also said no, Ellie, no at the TV as that was happening. I was very concerned. Yeah, it's scary. I wanted to tell her, I was like, he's a bad guy. I think that's actually what I yelled. I think I said, he's a bad guy, Ellie. Don't do it. Don't do it, Ellie. At the symphony, as they watch the orchestra, Morgan loudly thinks out loud, trying to figure out what Anna could be doing back in town. Chuck tells him to be quiet, but Morgan says that he's just trying to talk about the love of his life and makes Chuck feel guilty uh, for all the times that Morgan has had to listen to Chuck talk about Sarah. Good all point. the while, the woman next to them just keeps shushing them because they're being jerks and talking loudly at this you know, nice Beethoven performance. Outside the Bymore, Justin tells Ellie that he's part of the CIA. He explains that he wanted to talk to her in Africa, but Devin got sick before they had a chance to connect. Turns out he is looking for Chuck and Ellie's dad. Same. Justin says (laughs) that there are a lot of bad people looking for Steven, and Justin is just trying to protect him. Justin then continues to say that Casey works for the NSA and is one of those bad people trying to find Steven. Ellie can't believe this, and Justin says that she doesn't have to believe him, but she should still keep an eye on Casey. Ellie asks if she can tell anyone about this, and Justin says that she can't. They're just going to think that she's crazy and won't believe her. Justin then concludes by saying to Ellie that the CIA and her dad both need her. So, Where do you think they are in this scene? Because it kind of looks like downtown LA or like a like an office park, but presumably they've just like stepped outside the Bymore. Yeah, I thought they were just outside of the Bymore, like somewhere else in the, the, Bymore, the greater Bymore Plaza. Like, like, yeah, I guess so. It just, like, looked, I don't know, it didn't look like a shopping center plaza. It was weird. Inside Castle, Sarah enters and Casey asks what she's doing there. Uh, He thought that she was out on a fancy date with Chuck. Sarah asks what Casey's talking about, and Casey mentions Chuck's tuxedo from earlier. Sarah rushes over to Castle's computer, and she and Casey find the security footage from the Bymore and see Chuck and Morgan standing with their tuxedos. Sarah zooms in on the tickets in Chuck's hand. And she and Casey realize that Chuck and Morgan went to the symphony to protect the Zambian president. 
And you would like to think by this point that Chuck would know better than try to pull stunts like this inside the Bymore. Doesn't he know that there's going to be cameras everywhere and that they're going to find him? Yes, you would think he would. Back at the symphony, Chuck is asleep in his seat. Morgan nudges him awake and then asks why Chuck is on the stage. Chuck says that he's not on the stage, but then we cut to Chuck standing alone on stage in an empty symphony hall. He looks into the audience and the only person who's there is Shaw, who's bleeding from his chest and says, you shot me, Chuck. Chuck asks Dreamshaw what he's trying to tell him, and Dreamshaw tells him that the Zamibian president's guest, Dr. Komabe, is the, uh, the one who's going to try to kill him. Chuck wakes up for real this time and tells Morgan that he needs to go up to the upper floor into the box seat where the Zamibian president is sitting. Morgan asks if Chuck wants him to go with him, but Chuck tells him to stay in his seat. And then he hands Morgan his backup tranquilizer gun just in case. And fortunately, nobody sees this in the audience. <laughs> They're so transfixed on the music that they don't yeah, see they love this, Beethoven. this man handing another man a gun. How did they get it in there also? Like, presumably there's like metal detectors. This is a post 9-11 world. I don't know. That's a good it's a point. Question. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they, yeah, did Chuck not get a pat down from one of the security guards outside? Guess not. Likewise, uh, just as no one in the audience seems to be bothered by this, no one is also bothered by Sarah and Casey storming in through a fire exit on like on the, the wing of the, the auditorium, like on the side. Yeah. Just and they're very evidently like not supposed to be there because they're wearing like not the right clothes. Yeah, they're wearing like, Casey street has clothes. like a polo shirt. And they just run in and are standing there and looking around. Yeah. Um, they get there in time just to see Chuck get up out of his seat. Sarah says that she's going after Chuck and Casey goes after Morgan. Sarah and Chuck bump into each other in like the main foyer. And Sarah asks what he's doing. Chuck tells her about the doctor. And Sarah is offended that Chuck was not communicating this to her. But Chuck explains that he didn't want her to get wrapped up in all of his crazy dream issues until it was totally necessary. Chuck tells Sarah that he loves her and then just asks that she believe him and, uh, you know, really, truly believe that he's not crazy about this. Sarah agrees to go with him and they run upstairs. Meanwhile, Casey sits down next to Morgan and threatens to kill him if Morgan doesn't come quietly. Morgan reaches for the trank one in his suit coat, but then Casey beats him to it and pulls the trigger, just putting Morgan to sleep on the spot. Upstairs, Chuck and Sarah approach the president and his men and present their badges. The security guards stand down as Chuck gives Dr. Kwamabe a pat down. The president is very upset by this and asks what Chuck is doing. It's kind of awkward, and Dr. Kwamabe makes a joke about asking why Sarah couldn't have been the one to perform the pat-down on him. As Chuck looks at Dr. Kwamabe, he flashes and realizes that the doctor has ring intel hidden inside his tooth. So Ooh. Chuck immediately punches the doctor in the mouth, knocking out a single tooth. Chuck finds the tooth on the floor, and we can kind of see that there is a little data chip inside of it when he's picked up by the president's secret service. We then have a transition to large hospital attendants dragging a rambling Chuck into a psychiatric ward. Casey and Sarah walk behind them, and Sarah has no choice but to look on through the window as the door locks before them. That may have been the darkest transition <laughs> in the history of Chuck. Yes, absolutely it, agree. It was very sudden. The next day at Castle, Beckman tears Sarah and Casey new ones about the previous night's incident. Sarah asks uh, how Chuck is doing, and Beckman says that Dr. Dreyfus, uh, is, which is the alias of the actor Christopher Lloyd, yes, yes, yes. believes that Chuck's condition is worsening. He thinks that the intersect is causing mental deterioration. Sarah has a hard time with this news, and Beckman says that she cares about Chuck too and will do everything that they can for him. After Beckman hangs up, Casey suggests that he and Sarah go visit Chuck later to cheer him up. So then inside of the facility where Chuck is, uh, the actor Christopher Lloyd gives Chuck a tour of the facility. It's 
very clearly a reference to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. It basically looks exactly the same. Although uh, Wikipedia and IMDb do not say that. Really? It's not in the references section, no. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, the actor Christopher Lloyd introduces Chuck to some of the other patients, all of whom are former spies. As you might imagine, this does not make Chuck feel good about the situation. <laughs> Back at the apartment, Ellie knocks on Casey's door uh, as he's in the middle of handling a bunch of his weapons and spy equipment out in the open. She asks to talk to him, so Casey keeps the door on the chain so she, uh, Ellie can't enter or really like get a good look of what's going on inside. Ellie asks if Casey has any of those uh, African herbs that he had mentioned earlier to help treat Devin, and Casey steps away to look inside of his apartment. Ellie stands at the door and looks in and sees Casey's gun vault swing open. Casey then appears out of nowhere with the herbs and tells her to serve it with warm goat milk. Ellie thanks him and runs away back to her apartment where she locks the door and pulls all the blinds. Devin asks what she's doing and she explains to him that although it sounds crazy, she has reason to believe that Casey is a very, very bad man who they need to get as far away from as possible. This is kind of funny because it's like a role reversal from what Devin yeah. was doing earlier this season. Devin tells Ellie that she needs to forget about the story of Casey getting drunk and wetting himself. But Ellie says it's not that. She saw in his apartment that he has many large guns. Devin points out that while this is creepy, it is sadly not illegal. Ellie points... <laughs> I like that. That was funny. Ellie says that he needs to believe her, but Devin says that it sounds a little crazy and offers to make her a cup of tea, to which Ellie agrees and apologizes for acting crazy. But isn't this what Justin told her would happen? No one would believe her and they'd think that she's crazy? Hmm. It's like, it's upsetting because I feel like, I don't know, like we know that Devin's a bad liar, but I feel like everyone in this episode could just be handling things a little better. Like, because Devin's been on the other side of that and I know he's trying to like put Ellie off of the scent, but it was like pretty harsh for him to be like, babe, you sound crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I wish he like... I, that's what has to happen because of what Justin said, but I kind of wish that we'd, like, been treated to another, like, Devin struggling to lie scene or, like, something. Like, it just felt unnecessarily harsh of him. Especially, mm -hmm. like, he knows her anxieties about her crazy dad. Like, it seems like really, I don't know. It seems like he would know better than to say something like that. Seems a little gaslighty. Yeah! Similar to the the name of the band that performs the song at the end of this episode. Yes. Back at the facility that where Chuck's at, Sarah and Casey visit Chuck. Chuck tells him that the Zamibian president is still in danger because Dr. Kwamabe is still at large. He then proceeds to say that he needs to show them something. And then, I, did he pull a tooth? Or, like, did he take this tooth out of his own mouth? And then, or did he regurgitate this? I wasn't really clear. I feel like he took it out of his mouth. I feel okay. like he, I don't, like, he coughed. Um, but I don't feel like he had swallowed it. I feel like it was just in his mouth, like hidden under his tongue or something. Okay. So he takes this tooth and then he hands it to Sarah uh, in a, a very kind of funny and weird moment where he says, Sarah, give give your boyfriend your hand <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And he hands her this weird tooth. Uh, he explains that it's Dr. Kwamabe's tooth from the night at the symphony and it's fake, and they need to get it analyzed right away to figure out what's inside of it. Chuck concludes this rant by saying, the truth is in the tooth. The truth is in the tooth. That seems like the something you would say. The truth you, is in the tooth. Thank you. The truth is in the Why the are you tooth. not joining me in Sorry. this? The truth is in, is the, in tooth. the tooth. The truth, the truth is, is in, in the, the tooth. tooth. The truth is in the tooth. The truth is in the tooth. Is, are you satisfied? Are yes. you entertained? 
Just as uh, Casey is also satisfied by this, he apparently decides that this is too much for him. So he gets up and says bye to Chuck and tells him that they'll visit him again the next day. Sarah stays, though, and Chuck's, uh, Chuck asks her not to give up on him. She says that she won't and that she'll get the tooth tested. The attendant comes to take Chuck away. So Chuck and Sarah kiss goodbye. And it's uh, all in all pretty sad. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty downer episode of Chuck. Yes. Yep. Pretty upsetting. Uh, later that day, Sarah keeps her promise and analyzes the tooth at Castle. The Casey truth tells, is in the tooth. The truth is in the tooth. in the tooth. Casey tells Sarah that he hopes that Chuck was right too, but in the event that he's not, but Casey can't finish his sentence because Sarah cuts him off because Sarah don't give a shit. Sarah says that Chuck has to be right and that the test results come back and it turns out that Chuck was wrong. The tooth <gasps> is just a normal tooth. The Sarah truth is, is dis- not in the tooth. Sarah is disappointed and Casey says, sorry. Back at the buy more, Morgan asks Casey where Chuck is. Casey says that he can't talk about it, but Morgan pleads. So Casey tells him about what happened to Chuck. Morgan can't believe it. And at this moment, Anna approaches him and asks if they can talk. Morgan is flustered by everything that's going on with Chuck and says that now is not a good time to talk and walks away. And Anna just like really can't believe it. She's really trying to connect with Morgan for some reason. And it's just not happening. I think she thought it would be a lot easier. We see Chuck playing Connect 4 with another patient when he receives a phone call. It's Sarah, and she has the unfortunate job of telling him that the analysis says that the tooth is just a tooth, and that even though he was wrong about this one thing, he needs to stay positive. Everything is going to be okay. Chuck says, all right, and hangs up. Uh, He does not really seem like he's going to stay positive. Turns out Chuck doesn't believe Sarah when she says that, and it seems that neither does Sarah. Oh. As this is happening, Dr. Komabe arrives at the facility to see Chuck, but the nurse tells him, uh, the nurse at the front desk tells him that Dr. Dreyfus, who is what she's referring to, the actor Christopher Lloyd as for some reason, uh, (laughs) did not authorize any after-hour visits and threatens to have him escorted from the building. But Dr. Komabe says that won't be necessary and tranquilizes the nurse and the security guard. He's also uh, missing a tooth in this, if that was not something that you would have assumed. So at this point, we have a declassified scene. Sarah sits alone in her and Chuck's and Morgan's apartment, I guess it now is, uh, drinking a glass of wine. When Morgan enters, Morgan tells Sarah that Casey won't tell him anything about Chuck and that he needs to know what's going on. Sarah says that all the tests say the same thing. Chuck was wrong. The facts say that Chuck was is probably crazy. Morgan then tells Sarah that when Chuck first told him about his first couple of years with the CIA, he primarily just talked about Sarah and how she wasn't a normal spy and how special she was. Uh... Morgan then pleads with Sarah not to let Chuck rot in the facility. Sarah seems to be moved by this and decides to take action. That's, I mean, that's nice. I I like that scene for, like, building Morgan and Chuck's relationship. I feel like I like seeing that Sarah did this of her own volition. But um, that's, that's a nice scene. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, DVD box set of season three. So Sarah drops by the actor... Christopher Lloyd's house to appeal on Chuck's behalf. She says that she needs Chuck to be okay because she loves him, and Christopher Lloyd says, ever tell him that. He then says that Sarah isn't the only one there for Chuck and steps aside to reveal Casey is there too, prompting me to go, aww. Back at the facility, Dr. Kwambe and his men restrain Chuck, and Dr. Kwambe says that there is data in his tooth, it's just that Chuck knocked out the wrong tooth. Chuck is happy that he's not crazy, but he's less happy when Dr. Kwambe shoots him with a psychotropic serum that's going to make Chuck spill all his secrets. Chuck's vision starts going blurry, but he escapes into the main rec room where he appeals to the other patients to help him. One of the guys there is this guy who calls himself Merlin, and Merlin calls the former spies to action, and Chuck flashes. 
the kind of like fight music that we established last week, I think is Cobra style and is probably not Cobra style, starts playing and uh, nothing actually happens. All the patients are just fighting the air and Chuck ultimately passes out. Dr. Kwame says, no one's coming for you. But then Sarah and Casey run in and begin a shootout with Kwame and his men. The actor Christopher Lloyd is there too. And he's like, it seems like it's good we came. Sarah knocks out Kwame. She tells Chuck she'll always come back for him. Later, the team debriefs with Beckman. She apologizes to Chuck for not believing him and explains that Dr. Kwambe was illegally harvesting and experimenting on human organs for the ring. Unfortunately, I know, that's pretty harsh. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, she can't clear Chuck for duty. Who can? Why, the actor Christopher Lloyd, of course. Chuck heads back to therapy, where Christopher Lloyd tells him that he was right about his dreams interacting with the Intersect, but Christopher Lloyd does still believe that eventually the Intersect may put too much strain on Chuck's brain. Chuck asks what that means, and Christopher Lloyd says time will tell. He says he'd like to make one more suggestion, which I thought would be that Chuck regularly attend therapy so they can assess the situation, but instead, Christopher Lloyd just suggests that Chuck talk about it with Sarah. Back at the Bymore, Morgan is assisting a customer when Anna barges in and says if he avoids her again, she'll call corporate. He apologizes to her for being unavailable, and she says she just wanted to give him a box of stuff he left in Hawaii. He looks inside, and I don't know if you, like, paid more attention to what was inside. I, it looked like, like, video game stuff. Yeah, I didn't take a good look at it. I should have paused it and kind of yeah. looked around in there. I just saw, like, the, the Game Boy that he had picked up, but yeah. I didn't really get a good look at anything else. Yeah, whatever is in there, he tells her he's okay without it and gives it back, which is effectively just handing her his trash. <laughs> uh, she, she takes it, though. She puts it down, and then she kisses him. She says that watching him run away from her the past several days made her realize she wants him back. He says if that's what convinced her, he doesn't think she's the one for him. And this kind of sucks. Jeff pops up next to her and says, I don't mind leftovers, much like Chris at the beginning of this episode. I thought at least we'd get to see Anna deck him or something, but she just stares after Morgan. And then that's maybe the last we ever see of her. I Yeah, maybe. I suspect that it is. Yeah, which sucks. When Chuck gets home later, he asks to talk to Sarah, and she interrupts him by telling him she loves him. She says that before, all she could think about was her next mission, but now, all she can think about is her future with him. They exchange their I love yous and kiss and stuff, then Sarah asks what the doctor said. Chuck tells her everything is fine. Which also sucks, but for a different reason. Like, come on, Chuck, you could you could talk to her. She just saved your life, really. Meanwhile, Ellie puts on a trench coat and heads out to a covert meeting with Justin. She says he was right about everything, and he asks her if she knows how to get in touch with her dad. She says she does, and he says she's serving her country. The last scene is Chuck in bed having another dream. Chuck comes to visit him and reveals that his wounds are no longer bleeding. He explains that he's still alive. Chuck wakes up gasping, and Sarah asks what's wrong. He says nothing, but it's not nothing. Ah! It's Dreamshaw, and Dreamshaw is being ominous and scary. I have a Dreamshaw as well. Okay, and on that <laughs> note, uh, that is Chuck Season 3, Episode 16, the super sweet 16, Chuck versus the Tooth. That was a uh, that was a wild ride. It, it was. It was like a dream. But it wasn't a nightmare or was it a good dream? Or was it a beautiful nightmare? <laughs> was that That's a song, right? Sweet dream or a beautiful nightmare? Yeah. Yeah, that's a song. That's Beyonce? Yeah, I think so. So now, and this is the part of the program where we move into Chuck, Mary, Kill, where we talk about one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we'd like to kill. And if you were talking to a psychologist, maybe they would tell you that you want to marry your 
your mother and kill your father because maybe you have an Oedipal complex. Is that where this game comes from? That can't be where this game comes from. What? Chuck Mary Kill? <laughs> is rooted in the Oedipal complex? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it is, but maybe Kelly would have something different to say about maybe that. Maybe Kelly or Christopher Lloyd. We got to ask him. Who can say? So my Mary for this week um, is Skip Johnson's hair blowing. Like, <laughs> I'm... I like the whole scene with Morgan walking to right round. I like that subversion, but I'm going to specifically go with Skip Johnson's hair blowing in the wind. We did not see Jesse Hyman in this episode, which was unfortunate, but it was nice to see Skip Johnson, who I feel like we haven't we also haven't seen in a while. So Mm -hmm. good to see him. What about you? Friend of the show, Jesse Hyman. Yes. Uh, And I'm not I'm literally not joking when I say that. It's cool. Anyhow, I just a, a few small ones, I guess, for me this week. I will marry the phrase, the truth is in the tooth. The truth is in, is the, in tooth. the tooth. The truth, the truth is, is in, the, in tooth. the tooth. The truth is, the truth in, is the in the tooth. Um, and then I also just like the, the quips when Chuck was talking about Monday night television being a wasteland because it took me a second and then I realized what it was a joke at and I was like, aha, I would have seen this on Monday night. Yeah. Um, I liked Devin's quip about Casey's guns being sadly legal. Yeah. Um, and I also like the use of the song by the Gaslight Anthem at the end. You love the Gaslight Anthem. I do. And they're I kind of like they're that. like indie but ska. That's kind of cool. Indie you know? but ska? You think they're ska? What, I don't know. People told me they were ska. No, I'm thinking of Streetlight Manifesto. That sucks. <laughs> That's bad. Oh, man. <laughs> they both have light in their names. I get Yeah. Shut up, Chris. So I did not realize that that song was in Chuck and I appreciated it. And then I was, it just got me thinking because I was like, I would have gone into the Gaslight Anthem around the same time that I would have mm-hmm. saw this episode. Mm-hmm. And then I was so like, you think it's I, related? I don't know if they're related or not. Interesting. But I also don't know why else I would have gone into the Gaslight Anthem unless I just heard it on the radio. Maybe you heard Streetlight Manifesto and then you forgot their name and then you saw the Gaslight Anthem and you were like, ah, that must be that band that I liked. But it wasn't. But you just found that out now. This is, I'll have to jot this down. This will have to be something I bring up in therapy this week. Yeah, sounds good. So um, for my kill, I feel like I have, I much like you having a couple Marys, I have a couple kills. Um, I thought the bit with the lumpy housewives was just like very bad, like overtly bad. I thought that the whole Anna plot line just kind of sucked. And I thought that the uh, mental facility was like not, could have been handled better in a lot of different ways. I think um, I can talk more about this in our uh, scooter scale ranking, but I feel like Anna just deserved better for the entire show. And it sucks that like her final appearance, like her send off um, was also like used to further Morgan and make Morgan look good and kind of just made her look like really shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, And like it that was sad and she didn't even get to do anything cool. Like it was really just like, wow, she looks good. And Morgan is so great. Like and that was disappointing because she really never like she never did anything wrong. Like all the things that she did wrong, like leaving him for his sous chef or whatever, like that happened off screen. Like everything that she did on screen just made her like really cool. Um, and she like she was like a martial artist and like she was like had her cool family and everything. And it just like sucks that everything that like once again, everything that Anna has ever done is like based around Morgan and like making him look better. And like she's like. Like, they write her as kind of, like, pathetic and subservient to him, and that, like, sucks. And, yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I would kill. That's my main kill, in addition to the other two things. 
Yeah, my main kill is also the Anna plotline. Great. Because it just kind of felt like it was exciting seeing her back because you're like, oh, yeah. this is exciting. What's she going to do? But then you yeah. realize that she's basically just a, being used as a plot device to show yeah. how much Morgan has grown and changed. Yeah. And you, you get excited to see her, but then she doesn't really do anything. Like, really, it's not even just like us saying she doesn't do anything. It's literally the extent of her scenes or her being like, can I talk to you, Morgan? And Morgan's like, no, I'm busy. And then he yeah. walks away and nothing happens. Yeah. Um. So it really just kind of felt like a waste of time because it's like the payoff to that whole thing was just that Morgan has changed and is no longer wants to feels like he doesn't really fit into his old life anymore. And we're we're led to believe that this is for the better. Um. And I just kind of had this idea while you were talking just now about having a a signature Monday morning quarterbacking, or I guess maybe in this case, it's Tuesday morning because <laughs> if Chuck is on Monday, yeah. mm-hmm. but they could have done this same cover the same ground using Morgan's mom, like yep. have Bologna come in with a box of stuff and say like, Hey, I know you moved into your new apartment, but you left all the stuff behind. Like, do mm-hmm. you want it? And yeah. Morgan could be trying to like avoid his mom or whatever. And I guess that would, um, I don't know how that ties into the Oedipus complex, but the, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's other ways that they could approve the point of it being basically like Morgan is mature now. Yeah. Instead of having to wrap Anna in and then also basically do her dirty again i absolutely agree i think um we've we saw a a twitter post from one of our listeners i reactions who said that chuck is very unkind to women characters who aren't sarah which is a very eloquent way of saying something that we've been saying a little bit before Mm -hmm. but yeah when i i was excited to see anna um i was like a little disappointed but a little bit excited by the like slow-mo wind blowing by more scene like because we've mainly seen that from sarah and like spies and it was kind of like i thought oh what are they going to do with anna like she's probably going to do something cool especially if this is like the last episode she's in she's kind of making like a little cameo um and then it was really nothing so yeah Mm -hmm. agree so that brings us to our final segment of the show where we talk uh about how we would like to rate this episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs. This is the scooter scale. And honestly, like if, if that sounds crazy to you, then maybe you're the crazy one. (laughs) Maybe I don't, I think it makes complete sense to me to be judging a television show using a scale where the units are corn dogs. I think that's obvious. And if you don't see that, then I'm not crazy, man. I'm not crazy. (laughs) So I'm going to give this episode a two. Um, I think that's, relatively low for me i don't know if i've gone that low before especially not this season the season of aaron but i don't know that this uh latter half of the season is still the season of aaron i'm not really sure at this point it's not necessarily the fault of the show chuck that nbc like gave them extra episodes i'm sure that was exciting and is like a good thing but i think this kind of just like this episode in particular drove home that like they didn't have a plan for these episodes. They're just kind of like tacking things on. And it's like kind of unfortunate because this is one of the first episodes that has like a prominently female director, who I will tell you it was Daisy Von Schurler Meyer was the director. And I thought that like the dream sequences were genuinely good. I thought some of the choices, like I don't know if she made the choice to have like the Morgan slow-mo walking thing, but I thought like it was a well-directed episode. But like Shaw maybe being alive, like really like kind of cheapens like the the whole like 
arc earlier in the season. I think that um, like the writing of the episode was a little bit weak. I thought like the Anna plotline we've already talked about. I think they could have done like so much with this like mental health facility that like like more one flew over the cuckoo's nest references if they want to go that route. Like I think it's like very dark and they could have like um, one of one of the reviewers on the AV club talked about how like the pace of this episode is just like so frenetic that they don't really have time to like land on any of that darkness. And it's just kind of like, Ooh, Christopher Lloyd. Ooh, like Chuck's in the mental facility. Mm -hmm. Chuck it. Like, I feel like if they really like picked something and stuck with it, it could have been like a really interesting episode, especially since it is going to come up later of like the mental, like the long-term mental repercussions of having an intersect in your head. Like that it is establishing something that will be used, but like they don't really linger on like, the horror of that and i think it could have been interesting to see like instead of i mean i i generally don't remember how this season ends but instead of going into like shaw's alive what's the intersect trying to tell him like dealing with like using this these extra episodes to kind of deal with this thing that we haven't seen before of like ooh, is the intersect like gonna cause problems like i think that's interesting mm -hmm. and this episode didn't really do enough with it mm -hmm. yeah i mean i agree with all that i think i'm going to give it a 2.5 uh i think that i'm like kind of ambivalent about this episode but it's like a slight negative ambivalence yeah because <laughs> like you said like it feels like they they attempted to do so many different things but they didn't actually really flesh out any of it it just feels like it's kind of a transitional episode because like you said like with they it seems that they did not really have a plan for these episodes and now they're trying to transition to this other you know, the ring is still around and Shaw could potentially be coming back. And I literally think like I would agree with you in giving it like two, but I feel like the I tack on the 0.5 for like just those developments at the end where I'm like, OK, so it's not we're potentially moving into something better after this. And there's hope for that because I like the stuff with Ellie and Justin trying to like lure her into doing stuff and. I mm -hmm. like the concept of Chuck potentially going insane with the intersect in his head. I mm -hmm. feel like that's something that they could have explored earlier in the show. Like that really yeah. feels like a season one kind of episode premise to yeah. me, but they're doing it now. It was kind of a bummer too, because it wasn't, there were some like good jokes, but also it seemed to be very dark um, in that this, all the, like the fate of Chuck and the possibility that even though he, is not crazy that everyone thinks he's crazy and that he has yeah. to be condemned to this kind of life. Um, and that he was right about the tooth. He just hit the wrong tooth. Yeah. Made sense. And also um, they don't really use Christopher Lloyd like enough. Like, I feel like he's just kind of like kind of the voice of reason, but also kind of like an, an iffy therapist. And I feel like, like they could have focused more on him than like the other patients in this facility. Mm hmm. Yeah, it felt like kind of stunt casting and that yeah. the, the promos for this were probably like Christopher Lloyd is in yeah. it and like, oh, it's a reference to Back to the Future because Chuck's going to call him Doc because he's yeah. a doctor. And I was like, yeah. that was it. It's not like an actually interesting character or like useful or anything. It's just kind yes. of there. Um, I was kind of thinking that when I was watching this episode and I was thinking about it in terms, maybe because I was just thinking about the Gaslight Anthem and I was thinking about music in general, mm -hmm. but it kind of let me know what you think about this analogy. And we okay. can, I don't know if it's going to be proven or disproven in later episodes of the season, but I feel like up to, because what was it, episode 13 was uh -huh. like, would have been the end of the actual season. I feel like all of that I view as 
like an album that comes out and by an artist and a musician you're like listen to the album you're like that was a pretty good album like i enjoyed it uh-huh. and then that album does really well so then the artist puts out like rush delivers like an ep or something of like mm-hmm. five songs after that album that were like oh well we also have this and you listen to the ep and you're like this isn't as good as the album. This kind of just seems like tacked on, but then there are moments where you're like, yeah, I guess I could see this being tied into the rest of the album. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else besides me. Or it could be kind of like when a, um, when they put out like a deluxe version of the album and it has like some like B sides. And then it also exactly. has some like, like much like, uh, the, the fearless platinum edition or the, the speak now deluxe edition or the red deluxe edition, like those songs, not as, um, like, not as important as, like, the main songs chosen for the album. Yeah, but I feel like if you... So if you're going with that analogy, I feel like if you're using Red as an example, I feel like some of the bonus tracks, you're like, this is really good. Like, I feel yeah. like this stands out and is better than just being a B-side or a bonus uh-huh. track. But then there's other ones where, like, this is definitely a bonus track. Yes, yeah. This was not totally necessary, and... Yeah, so um, it will... Uh, it remains to be seen if that will be true for the rest of this season, but I would definitely agree that it has been at least for the last two weeks yeah it's just kind of like wishy-washy and it's got to be hard when you like plot out an entire season of a show to have this end and then for them to be like just kidding yeah and then you're like well i guess we can explore chuck and sarah's relationship and what that means for them yeah and then also have these weird kind of like one-off episodes but then maybe shaw can come back with the ring so I don't remember Shaw coming back. Like, I feel like this is like a red herring or something. But if he does come back, I'll be happy. Do you remember him coming back? I do. Oh, okay. That's like one of the most vivid memories I have about Shaw, (laughs) actually. Okay, well, all right. So So maybe I will begin to understand why everyone hates him so much. Well, I think it is time for us to sign off then. And uh, my name has been Chris Gillespie telling you the uh, completely normal, not crazy catchphrase, food is sexy. (laughs) And my name is Erin Arata, telling you, as always, that the truth is in the tooth. The truth is in, is the, in tooth. the tooth. The, the truth, truth is, is in the tooth. tooth. The truth, truth is, is in, in the tooth. The truth is in the tooth. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.